You don't need clarity. The trouble with people wanting clarity is it, it stops them moving at all. But you get clarity through action, not through inaction. Courage is much more important than confidence. But I want to be confident, it requires me to start with courage and the confidence will emerge. You can't, everyone's wanting to click their fingers and be confident. It's bullshit. You can't, if, if it's that easy, everyone would just be confident. It's not about that. The input is courage. Welcome to Chapters, where each week we discuss the careers of former athletes and how they navigated the journey from sport to their career beyond professional sports. I'm your host, Craig Walsh, and on today's episode is my guest, Callum Wilson. Callum is an executive coach who aims to connect with his clients so they can create deep happiness and high performance. He also played professional rugby in the UK and France, and we discussed the nuances of playing rugby in France in comparison to England and the liberating impact on his playing style. As well as this, we discussed Callum's transition from athlete to life coach during the lockdown. We also spoke about the difficulty of ending his rugby career due to injury, his selective coaching approach, and the joy of contributing meaningfully and authentically with other people. I think this is a really great episode for anyone out there who may be struggling or grappling with some elements of identity. Callum really puts some areas into perspective of who we are as people. And after speaking with Cal, I absolutely understand the benefits of life coaching or exec coaching that maybe I didn't understand before. Thanks again to Callum, and you can find all the info in the episode notes below. So here we go. Here's my conversation with Callum Wilson. Uh, probably not very safe. Well, it's definitely not safe, but we, we were doing that, definitely. Your and parents must have been ha- ha- happy you were active. Yeah, I, I remember my mum an early thought that her or my auntie had was um, that I used to just run straight into things as a kid and I used to love picking things up. So I think my mum thought I was going to be world's strongest man. Like she's, she's <laughs> joked around that issue. I was in really interested in strength and physicality. As I said, I used to run straight into things instead of around them. Um, so I think it was probably quite natural to them, but I mean, uh, probably wasn't a relief that I played because they it was it's just so natural for me to always be playing sport my brother the same always parents sporty as well um uh yes and no my mum is uh never played she's not a competitive person but she she gyms like four times a week she walks probably more than me and so she's probably walking 15 to 20,000 steps a day gymming all the time my dad uh he had really bad knees at school, uh, which meant that he didn't do traditional sports, but he ended up uh, winning the British Nationals in sailing. Mm. Uh, and he also uh, shot for the UK, pistol wow. for the UK. And I think they probably, I think they came fourth in the World Championship as a team. So I'd say he's like never exercised, but he does have sport in him and he still shoots now. So he's a very, very good shooter. Mums, obviously, and my my granddad was a very good rugby player. Uh, he had played a couple of games for uh, Leicester Tigers, I think, and they are the RAF when that when they were like when that was actually like the best te- those the best teams around. So, mm. uh, and he played for uh, a couple of other teams. So he he was really rugby orientated. Was he in your ear, kind of like oh you you know trying to push you down that kind? You, you could be there's something here for you. I never felt pushed uh, in my life by my parents, um, which I'm really grateful for. And it actually brings up emotion. Think about that, how many kids get pushed. But mm. for me, it was always like, what do you want to do? I'm yeah. going to do it. My dad wasn't necessarily interested in the things that, the sports that I liked, but he'd always find a way to support that. Uh, so my granddad knew that I liked rugby and we'd go and do lots of training and extra stuff, but it didn't feel, I didn't feel pushed. Mm. Uh, I, I think push is a really bad energy. I think pull is a great energy. Uh, and I always felt pe- pulled toward things and then supported to what I was pulled f- forward to. Yeah. There was an energy of just kind of uh, that, that would, you know, you, you felt like, yeah, that's, that's my path. I'm going to go down that way. Yeah. I don't know whether my parents thought about this or not, but I definitely felt very free to follow interest. That's interesting because this is something I'm trying to do with my kids is to get them more involved in not necessarily sports, but just being active. And I have to word it certain ways, especially for my boy to say, what do you like 
what what would you like to do or what should we do rather than uh, he's just not in, interested in team sports so I love team sports I played everything when I was young anything I, I could play I would try but he wants to maybe go climbing or he wants to go biking so there's these different ways and my daughter just dances all the time so it's interesting you say that it's making me think I have to word it differently you know I have to communicate differently with them to not feel like I'm forcing them down this uh, road of I did this when I was young so therefore this would help you it's just not it's not the same is it well here's here's what I'd say to that and I did listen as I said to your last podcast with Ben and I I did think about a couple of what what I might have added to certain topics and 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 one thing that I wrote down was well there's two aside from uh, superficial freedom such as not being behind bars and in chains freedom is is the choice to want and it's it, it freedom is a choice to move to want and not need and so should and have these this is needy language of, of force and it's complete opposite of exercising freedom so I believe in a life of freedom, which means getting to choose what you want and, and living as absolutely as much of my life in freedom in, in the land of want, not need. Uh, and the other thing about which, which when you live in, when you, when you exercise your freedom, you fall into your self-interest, things that you feel passionate about. But that is a really important part of humanity. The reason why humans are top of the food chain, so to speak, is because of I'm really interested in Adlerian psychology or philosophy and Adler makes a, a really amazing point most animals all do exactly the same thing like they all uh, 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 go and uh, play do the same tasks hunt uh, provide nesting and security and whatever everyone most animals all do the same thing whereas humans because Ben writes and you're a father and I'm a coach and my brother is in tech because we could because we don't all do the same things as a community we're able it enables us to do a huge quantity huge range of things and do them and if we follow self-interest in passion we naturally divide ourselves beautifully and the quality if we follow self-interest and passion that we deliver as a result of enjoying i.e expressing our freedom is very very high mm. so i self-interest is an important part of humanity and it's what drives the quality of that diversity of of tasks uh I, i'm curious to hear what you you hear and that maybe i didn't explain that very clearly or well yeah if you can just explain how would that relate to what i just said about offering these different opportunities for him can you just how did that link well because um because humans are able to i forget the exact term but uh, divide labor mm. because we're able to divide labor we're a that's what helps us function and the the best scenario with that is that we divide th naturally through our self-interest okay not through being pigeonholed yeah or yeah. forced through a, and and not having freedom so if we exercise our freedom, we naturally follow self-interest. And that is the best division of labor mm. humanity. Imagine that everyone is doing what they want exactly. as much. Yeah. Mm. So the reason why I, I said it in reference to your son is because I think it, the most one of the most important things in terms of uh, deciding where you go is exercising freedom because self-interest is important, not just for your son, but for everyone. coaching uh kind of analyzing of what i've said and listening to ben's podcast and i really like that you've done that where did this interest come from you know this uh kind of identity of being a rugby player to then how did you get into this side of your life of oh i i, I like this coaching element i think it's so you're interested in in athletes transitioning and if you had asked, like, there was that question of uh, that you asked Ben at the start of the podcast, but I'll refer to it so that people that haven't listened to that one can, you said, uh, what was your experience like? And then there was a moment where Ben referred to the feeling that the Real Madrid had player had said, it's like death. Mm. Right. So 
and then what you and and then Craig, you just said um, something about identity, and the most important thing for me is un, is absolutely as an athlete to understand that you are not what you do, and no human is. That is the most fundamental thing, and and it's it's evidential through self inquiry. So, did I die when I stopped playing rugby? No. Mm. Was I alive before I started playing rugby? So, could you say if you can strip this thing from me? or add it to me, could you say that is what I am essentially? And the answer is obviously no. So I am not a rugby player. Rugby, rugby is something that I do. That, the reason why that Real Madrid bloke referred to death is because it literally felt he, from an identity point of view, I am this thing and it is like dying. And I just, I don't believe in that because it's, it doesn't mm. align with what I know to be true. The truth is that whether Callum plays rugby or not, I'm still me. I mean, uh, that's something, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. I mean, this is one of the reasons why I try and do this podcast is to, I'm asking that question about identity because I want other people to hear that that needs to be kind of expelled. This idea of you are just a rugby player, you're just a footballer. This, this, this thing of retiring, I don't like the word retire because it's just a different part of your life after you've finished doing something that's all it is and you're then going on to the next thing isn't it yeah yeah exactly and then and you were asking me about that shift from rugby to coaching uh when I think about gifts one thing that I've always enjoyed and felt capable and it's and it's it's happened in friendships naturally is to be in deep conversations with people and listen and ask questions I've always been interested in performance and happiness and function. And so it was just natural to me. And so before I'd finished playing rugby, during the lockdown, um, we couldn't play rugby. And, and uh, well, for, for large parts. And I thought, well, I'd like to develop myself and find something uh, away from rugby potentially. Uh, during... At, when I got my first professional contract, I spent a couple of sessions with a coach, a life coach, who I just thought, I've gone from university into professional sport and I'm going to get loads of help with sport, but I won't, the rest of my being and my life, I haven't got any support, so why wouldn't I look for some? And I didn't have many sessions, but the idea was planted that there are people who can support you um, throughout your life mm. uh, and and I thought actually that feels like a nice I feel called towards that f with with what I am good at and, and what I'm interested in so it was planted that seed was planted and then lockdown came and I I just started contacting every executive coach I, I went on laps where or or the other one uh, there's another sport website for transitioning athletes and I saw a rugby player talk about executive and performance coaching so I, I called him up and we spoke and I thought oh wow I don't necessarily like the connotations of life coaching it's not like how I would describe what I do necessarily uh, although I have nothing against it but uh, I thought okay there feels like an opening here for me to explore I started talking to a lot of people reading a lot of books and then one day a woman said, um, we'll just start doing it. Like it's an unregulated um, um, sector industry. So, but you're not going to get paid. So like, just, just start, just try it. And I loved it. And because of lockdown, people are extremely available. So I wrapped up, you know, literally hundreds of hours of coaching in a very, very short space of time. I did uh, qualification in executive coaching Uh and started my business uh, while I was still playing because I I know I knew that would be what I'd like to do and I would start building it uh, at the same time as rugby. Yeah. It, it was a natural uh, progression. Uh, um, uh, my my career, unlike Ben's, ended in injury, so it was uh, quite a sh uh, quite abrupt in some ways. Um, but I, nevertheless, I had a uh, a career to to fall into I didn't go through that questioning do you feel you were um 
was it kind of a, a negative end to your rugby career or were you kind of positive in the direction you were going when you found this uh, coaching side? Well, some people would be negative, wouldn't they, after ending ending their rugby or whatever sport with an injury? Well, um, there was nothing negative about going into coaching, but that happened before the rugby finished. So there's always been a, a, a really positive energy with me around coaching. Um, r- rugby is a brain injury, so it's it, that ended it. And thing is, when you hurt your brain, you're very aware that that of how important that is. It's not like another injury where, like, I might, you know, we'll try it and did it. When you've got neurologists saying there's there's scarring on your brain, there's oh, in my case, like ten areas which are are, are normal. Like it, you're not you're not in that space of like should I shouldn't I that that felt very binary. Well, it was. Now I literally got my license taken from me by a neurologist. So it's like you can't play. The uh, the intention is to get healthy quickly, or well, not quickly, but at, at, to get healthy. So just focusing for me, I, it just felt natural to focus on getting my brain right. Uh, Coaching is a great career transition if you get injured because it's so much about perspective, reflection, even like learning about what you truly are as a conscious being is very important. It's something that happens in coaching. If you don't want to identify as a rugby player, it's a very unhealthy identity as I am this, as we spoke about before. What you end up doing when you inquire about yourself is like, oh, wow, I'm just, I'm really a conscious being. Mm. And funny thing not the funny thing but I, I remember talking to a neurologist when they asked me how do you feel about your brain injury and I said well I I'm not my brain my brain is a is a tool that I use like uh, so it's just a matter of being aware of the tool but I, I'm still me the, the tool that I get to use to experience life is different and the guy like laughed and there's been a lot of research into this uh this is I thought I was talking a bit I'd be talking a bit woo woo to this uh guy who's obviously into matter and, and the, f- the physical world but he was like no no, no I, I completely understand and it helps you recover quicker to have this understanding of yourself from brain injuries it's a bit like uh you you, do, you don't feel like low self-worth or like you're doomed when you have a bad hamstring you just go well a damaged hamstring and now I need to find ways to use it and rehab and if at the end there's a limitation then you find another way of using it it's, it's a bit like that with your brain as well mm. but it, it comes from understanding yourself as something more fundamental a lot of people think they are their brain for example or they exist only in their brain and then they get damaged brain and they it's doom and gloom yeah and don't get me wrong man like i cried yeah for sure when you get when you've got headaches all like seven days a week and you wake up feeling drunk or like hungover and you're angry and you don't know what's going on and you can't remember people's names who you've spent a lot of time with and you're forgetting shit all the time like stop it's not, it's not all peace love and joy yeah what how long was the process of seeing improvement uh, i still have symptoms now and that was over three years ago mm so but it it takes it takes time and there is irreparable damage so it's about understanding that the brain's an amazing thing neuroplasticity is an amazing thing so uh learning about the brain has been really interesting for me but it did take it did take a while like a couple of years at least before i felt like i i was functioning better but I, I still have limitations, man. Like I, I don't do certain things. I, I don't party as much as other people or drink anywhere near as much. And in some ways, you could say that it, it's helped me be higher performance because I, anything you become aware of, you suddenly learn about and it helps you. So I'm not, I'm not here to be gutted about it, although I do understand there is, there is change. Do you think the, well, you know, I'm guessing you were, obviously you started doing the learning about coaching and that was an avenue you wanted to take around this, that was already happening when you had this injury and when you're dealing with the injury, didn't that help? 
obviously you wanted to have that as a, as a kind of a career, but did it help you personally as well? Just learning about being a human, the brain, you're kind of life coaching yourself in a way. For sure. And, and I've always had coaching as well. So I've always had other people to help me through. Yeah. 100%. It's like the perfect career in some ways, short of maybe being a, a neuroscientist and, and really like knowing the brain like that. I, I actually think, no, I, I, not all coaching goes into spirituality or whatever, but a lot of, I do a lot of self-inquiry and you end up in that conclusion of like, wow, all I really am, you know, like every cell on my body, including the cells in my brain change, everything changes. What's the, what's the consistent thing that's always there? And it's a sense of myself and awareness of myself. And and so that's just, it's not even, I, I don't even like the term spirituality in terms of, because it's just, it's obvious. It's like the only thing that I truly know is that I am me. Mm. And that that me isn't a physical thing because everything physically, as I said, changes. So part of coaching often ends up in within that. It's a great place to build your life from understanding what I am is this. Nothing can be added or taken from this this thing that I am. It's a perfect place to feel complete and then go off and build a life. Whereas what a lot of people are trying to do when they leave sport is they feel like half of them's been torn away, so they feel incomplete. And then the first steps they take are very compensatory, which are like, oh, I'm incomplete. I need to do a lot of things to to be complete again. And then you you create an enormous amount of pressure on yourself because, well, if I'm not good at this, then I'm not worthy and I'm etc so yeah to answer your question coaching is absolutely perfect for transition and i'd i'd recommend anyone going through that transition there are coaches that specifically work with athletes on that thing so what will athletes learn about themselves once they realize there is more to life than being an athlete Specifically through coaching or just in general, do you think? Through coaching, yeah. So here's what I I would imagine might happen if if you were to come to me. I think we would spend some time talking, exploring who you are and stripping away all of these external, di- divest yourself of all of this, I am this and this and this and really get back to the truth of who you are. And then I think we would explore self-interest, what you, what, what passions you have. At that point, we'd also look at your, your general life purpose, your why. So self-interest and purpose. And then I think we would probably explore contribution. I don't think that our lives are about us. I think that you know that you're part of nature, that nature you function within nature, not separate to it. Your ego, your separate self, believes itself to be separate. But when you inquire about anything, you'll know that you came from nature and you'll go back to it, whether you believe in the material world or the spiritual world, whatever. You'll know that you're part of something bigger. And contributing or being in alignment with the us and we, not I and me, is very important for human beings in even realizing who you are. So your best moments in your life will be giving moments. So we would look at using your gifts, the, your unique strengths, and we would explore that through moments in your life as well as asking other people. We'd pick, we'd probably discover one to five of them. That's it. I, I think I've probably got three. And then I would look at where how I could, because gifts are received, but they're given. So you're given a gift. And then you're there, and then and then you give it. So, looking at the gifts you've been given, how we could best use that to contribute. In, we won't we won't focus on a taking. We won't focus on the idea of I'm incomplete. I need to take. We'll focus on the idea of I'm I'm whole and complete. What do I want to give from a place of passion and purpose that's in alignment with my gifts? I might look at something like ikigai. You know, the crossover of of these areas. Yeah. And. But the whole idea, you know, like we, a general thing that I would work through you with is probably something like relax, contract, observe. And I'll, I'll, I'll talk you through that. The relaxation part is 
we have this temptation that I need to go and find my passion. And it, that, that, that's even your choice. I bet you some of your be the best moments in your life or the biggest ideas have come from uh, just having a shower and an idea pops into your mind. And that, 100%. whether you believe in God, uh, a higher, um, something higher, a higher consciousness, or you believe in just nature mm. giving you ideas. And that, that doesn't come from a state of contraction, squeezing, opening. So we start by relaxing and being open, planning lots of space in your day, doing certain activities that give you inspiration and just relax. We, we're open and we listen. So that's the relaxed part. We feel through that reception what we want to do and we take action. So that's the contract part. We go and try. We we take a, maybe what I would, MVA, minimum viable action, like take an action towards that thing. And then the last part, observe, is to go like, again, like relax. How do I feel about that? And then go, okay, I like this. I didn't like that. And that felt good. And so it's it's a very, um, if you imagine a game, you remember when you were young, someone would hide something in a room. You'd shut your eyes maybe and you'd move forward and they'd say hotter or colder. Maybe you didn't even shut your eyes. You just move forward and they say hotter or colder. Try, think about transition like that. Yeah. Like, can us take a step forward and we're going to listen? Is it hotter or colder? And then allow it to allow it to emerge. How does how did that sound to you mm. if we were taking you? <laughs> yeah, really good. Yeah, I know which direction I'm going. Yeah. No, but I, it, it's funny you say about. I think I listened to something similar. How you can't be productive by saying. I'm going to sit down for an hour now and be productive. I think uh, I think study was done where you think you're going to be productive from the first half an hour is actually when the flow comes in, it's actually um, after an hour and a half or so. I don't know exactly what it was, but it reminded me of this. It, it will come when you're in this kind of most comfortable space and sometimes for me that's when I'm walking the dog and I'm listening to something but I'm not actually listening yes my brain is somewhere else and I'm this when people are talking they're just talking but I'm thinking of something else and I have my ideas then and that's when I need to concentrate and think right oh, I need to I need to uh what did you say before I need to act on that when I when I get back, I need to remember that yeah. and act on it. And I would I'd probably if I was coaching you right now, which I'm not, I'd probably just pick you up in your language and just say I want to. I don't want to create pressure around. I need to do this. I want to. I feel inspiration. I want to follow. Um. Yeah. What you just described is is really interesting. Um. In terms of these thoughts emerging when you're not conscious to them, it's like how often. Uh, do you like we're like oh who's that guy that uh played for Pompey tall guy black guy and then two weeks later you text me and you're like Carnu I know that you're a Pompey fan but like, oh Carnu and and it's yeah. but it's you were like probably doing the dishes and Carnu came to your mind because you we tend to use our the front of our minds our prefrontal cortex but actually when we start to surrender a bit more and relax your subconscious mind does a lot of work for you in the background. It's problem solving if you give it if you give it space. Um, in Rick Rubin's book, The Creative Act, there's a quote by Yeah, there's the quote by Robert Henry, which which says, uh, "Our job is not to create art; it's to be in this this state in which art is inevitable." And it's that you're not there to find your purpose, be in the state or your your next career, be in the state in which your 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 career will be inevitable it will find it will find its way through because you're and so you were talking about doing things uh, and then that allowing your mind to come up with your subconscious mind and um going for a a, a quick walk not a um not so quick enough you have to think about walking a little bit and you're a little bit sweaty 
not so like a run where you're like you have to really concentrate on running but not not so so slow that you don't have to think about it but you're just distracting the front of your mind enough that is the that's the perfect space for inspiration um where you're, you're just distracted enough in the front of your mind often there's sweet uh, in um the comfort crisis by michael Elisa, he talks about um giving yourself space and relaxation uh and he he talks about um that you need to allow your mind to wander um you need to allow it to switch off in order to receive and then he also talked about one of the reasons to not uh, sit and consume and try because often all you're doing is imitating other people when you're trying you're like looking around when you look around for the idea to come to you without realizing it quite often all you're doing is consuming other people and then just slightly changing their ideas whereas that's when you go off and give yourself a bit of space go on a walk which is just quick enough but you're not your ideas are way more likely to be original so there's plenty of good reason to just go out on like a fast enough walk or to go and do a bit of physical activity and then just surrender yourself to what what emerges and 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 uh on your point of I need to, I, it's really useful, I think, for, for athletes probably who are listening to this, thinking about transition is like, have a book, have a notebook where even if you don't take action on the inspiration or the thought, you can write it down so you can revisit it. Yeah. Hmm. How do you... um? Do you consider to yourself to be a happy person now? Yeah, I've, I've always been happy, I, I, mainly. What do you do to stay at that level? What what makes you happy now? Um, returning to myself and contributing from that place. At what age did you realize that could be done? Because myself at 20, I couldn't imagine. Yeah, probably. Thinking probably certain ways that I do now. Yeah, so yeah I mean, the, 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 mo the part one of most people's lives is um, a leverage of the external to create a state inside of you so you're basically using people things like the outside world to make you happy um but the, the trouble with that is that you don't control the outside world so i use rugby but then i have a bad game and so the thing that the function that i have used to create my happiness is also the reason why i'm super upset it's a very uncon and you know, like you, you've got a girlfriend, or you know, oh, this is the person that makes me happy, and they dump you, or a friend like leaves, moves abroad. And you're like fuck. Like so, the thing that's created happiness is the thing that takes it away. I was lucky that rugby, you know, I loved it. I found a passion, but it also created, it did create enormous amounts of low moments. Um, whereas yeah. we. Not so you do it now, but if you if you just shut your eyes and and you think about what you're aware of, and you go, who's aware of who's who is aware that I'm aware, and you refind yourself in that moment, you go, oh, there I am, and you just find this really peaceful place inside of you, and it's available to you the whole time, all the time. You can just if you if you slow your life down, you can find that, and it doesn't. It's nothing to do with the external. It doesn't require money. It doesn't require anything else. It's there. And when you understand yourself as that, you don't feel so scared. I'm like, I can't do this because like, you know, in rugby, for example, I was so like using the external that I got scared of of getting it wrong. I became this really... Well, like... What do you mean? 
Well, I, I was using rugby to make me happy. But then I'm like, well, then I don't really want to like risk making mistakes because then I risk not being yeah. happy or being seen yeah. to be good or whatever it is. It's really about survival that you end up feeling, you become quite risk averse in your life. Like, well, I don't want to do that because then this that might go wrong. And But if you send to yourself with your essential self, this unaffected place, which it doesn't, you don't need a lot of self-protection because you're like, all right, this is who I am. I can go on a podcast and say something goofy and it doesn't change who I am. So then you go into the, like this, I'm just talking about this experience now. I'm like, I don't, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't change who I am, whether I explain something badly or anything like that. And I feel very liberated. I'm, I'm happy already within. And then this is an a, a awesome opportunity to talk to a great person, express myself. But I'm not like leveraging, oh, I have to have a good podcast right now because the external world is the thing I need, I require to make me happy. I looked at your, your website and the, the thing that really jumped out at me was um, authentic self. And I, again, I, I just mentioned how I'm always listening to podcasts, but I was listening to a podcast, Walking the Dog this morning, and someone else mentioned authenticity. And I thought, well, I have to bring this up because uh, I think it's something I need to improve on is my authenticity. Who actually, who, who am I really? When I do this podcast, when I do an intro... I'll stupidly do five minutes to get the right intro. I'm like, that's not actually me, you know? And I think that auth this authentic self, I think is really important. What have you, well, what, if I talk about you, about the authentic self, about being authentic, what, what does that mean well, to you? Um... Or why is that important? Why, why did you write, you know, you wrote on the website about um, being yeah. authentic authenticity why did you decide that that yeah. should be on the mm. part of the I, I, I'm just taking a moment the, the funny thing is like I update my website so infrequently <laughs> uh, that I don't people you know, it's on your website and I'm like fuck oh, I didn't <laughs> uh, I, I didn't see that uh, but um and so I, I, I might say this, that uh, your task is to be you. And, and that means expressing, expressing, I would probably use this terminology from, from your heart. And, and, and the, word, the word courageous comes from the Latin core, it, which, which means heart. So your task is to be yourself, to say what feels right, right? Not not to not unlike um I have evidence that this is what people are gonna like or they're not gonna like. Just this feels right in this moment to express. Okay, from a from a from a loving place. Just okay, and uh, this feels right. The reason that we don't do that is because throughout your life and for for tens thousands of generations, being liked and uh, not failing uh, were vital for survival. If you failed on a hunt, people died. If you aren't liked, you get excommunicated. So there's part of your brain, your ego, which is a thought about yourself. It's conditioned through evidence of um, what has helped you survive. It creates loads of preferences that make you feel good so if you aren't aware of what you really want and you sit in your ego your separate self the temptation is to constantly want to be liked and not to fail even if that doesn't feel in integrity with your let's i call it heart's answer so i want to say this to you craig but i'm worried about what you might think so then i I lose integrity with 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 my, but Adler in has a has a nice a nice way around this. Consider that whose task anything is in life. It right. So uh, we know whose task something is by who uh, deals with the consequences. So 
it's my task to be me because I have to live with me, right? It's your task to decide what you think of me. Would you agree with that? Mm. It's not my task to decide what you think of me, for example. But what we're doing so often in life is manipulating and coercing people on their task. So I'm in this conversation with you. I'm like, part of my brain's like, I need, I want, I need, it talks in the language of need, I need Craig to like me. And so I start taking on your task of what you think of me. I start manipulating you by mm, yeah. saying things that I think that you're like. And I completely lose myself. And I'm so away from what feels right in my heart and what I want to say truly. So how does, what, what do you hear in that? Did that answer your question? Yeah, it's this, it is this integrity is this kind of yeah exactly what authenticity is isn't it? it is kind of um pleasing the masses you're not you're, you're trying to tell people what they want to hear rather than what you want to say it's a lot of pressure man it's a lot of pressure to want everyone that you're around to try and control what they think it's fucking hard. And I tell you what, you won't be saying the things that you truly want to say. You won't be honest. So authenticity for me is is understanding, is really tuning into not what my... The, the, this might be another way that would help explain it. Your, your uh, separate self, your ego is a very reactive. It's very, very reactive. So it's loud and it's early in your mind. But if you sit... And instead of react to life and respond to life, you'll feel what feels right to say. Uh, and, and it's quite often a bit quieter and a secondary feeling, a secondary, uh, a secondary voice. And it's probably more of a feeling than a specific, you have to say this or you need to. It'll be like, don't know why, not quite sure. Because it's not, it's not, built in evidence this answer you're not built in evidence it's just yeah that feels right and so i'm going to say that our temptation is like oh this worked for me on this like oh when i for you when i spoke to ben this question worked so you might want to ask ask me a question about something else but you're like but ben and so straight away your mind's like well it's a safe place to go to say this like people will like that but it's not who you are so being yourself is a it, it takes courage. And do you think, as an athlete, do you think you, um, you know, you talked before about you maybe weren't always, maybe I'm not wording this correctly, but, you know, were you authentic as a player or you said how you maybe you played it safe sometimes, which then... Uh, kind of was the opposite of what maybe you were as a player you almost need to be authentic as a player do you think other athletes are playing it safe or do you think um yeah what my question kind of is there must there's always pressure for athletes to perform is there this added pressure on them uh yes conform? there is and did i conform i guess is your aunt your question in some way and yes i did mm. <laughs> There's a really big difference between playing to win and playing not to lose. And for large parts of my career, I was more committed to playing not to lose than to playing to win. Um, so it's like I avoid mistakes rather than... Uh, and let that dictate my behaviour rather than um, expressing what I truly wanted to do. So people will laugh I'm sure some of my mates were like fuck you Cal but like I wasn't I wasn't actually a bad passer had a decent offload good long good long pass and, and not a bad kicking game but like you could probably count on uh, one hand and two hands how often I kicked in my career you at passing I didn't exp my feet my footwork wasn't bad either and I didn't use any of it because a safe way of me playing rugby was super physical so I used to like use right. that all the time. Mm -hmm. um, so loads of the time I'd see stuff or 
I wouldn't even see it because I hadn't opened my mind to it because I was like, the safest thing to do here is just run it straight and and not use your footwork or chuck a pass. Um, interestingly, but like the start of it, the start of most performance is a very mind-based, uh, mind-led experience. And as you make mistakes and you don't die or you do things well and you're like, oh, I can do that. Uh, as you create evidence, you actually allow your your authentic performance emerges. So you're like, what's the last 20, 30 minutes of most rugby games? And you're like, wow, that's different to the first 10. Because everyone's playing this, I don't want to fuck it up game at the start. And I did that. Yeah. So I was people, um, I probably played 33%, like the last third of of each game, of each training session, uh, in it as my non-conformist self so to speak but but the, the trouble with me was I used to get subbed at like 60 minutes so I'd just be getting good <laughs> and then I'd be taken off oh. just before my next bit that was about to work and uh, I think I think it, it depends as well France seemed to be uh, I played over in France like Ben did and it seemed to be much more about what you're capable of rather than and so it played a lot more to your strengths whereas and I don't know this to be true of every club or in the, you know, we're talking a while back now, I suppose. But in England, it seemed to be very negative. You might, oh, Cal, you're playing on the wing. You're not so good at, um, like, you're not as springy as others in the air. So we're not going to pick you because of that. So it te- seemed to be quite negatively marked. Like the reason okay. you're you're marked on, on the things that you don't do well rather than the things that you do well. When I got to France, because I didn't speak the language... Uh, there wasn't a lot of detail going in. It was just like, we brought you over to do these things. Just go and do it. And I, it really liberated me. And I felt I, I perf- performed a lot better over there because of that. Okay, that's interesting. I thought you were going to say actually was going to do the opposite where you felt you didn't no, have freedom. France is, is much more joué, like just fucking playing. Like they, you'll watch yeah. like, uh, they, they don't... They, well, again, my experience of it was they, they were a lot less detailed, but it really liberated you to explore on the pitch. Whereas in England, it'd be like, you have to get off, you, you have to run at this shoulder and we're going to aim for this person. And for me, that became quite limiting because if you tell me to do something, I'll fucking do it. If, you're, if I see you in a place of authority quite often. So it'd be like, run at that, run at this gap. But then the gap, you know, what would emerge was like a different picture and I'd be like, well, oh, I'm still going to fucking headbutt this wall. And it was like, wasn't the right thing. Um, so I think um, I, d- I didn't play a heap of my rugby at or authentically, um, which I think is perfect, mate. I think it's perfect. It is what it is. Life is always exactly how it should be. And I learned the lessons from that. And now I don't do that shit anymore. Like... People will tell me what they mm. think I should do. Have a feeling I'll listen, and I'll be like, "Well, doesn't feel right for me, so fuck, fuck it. I'm going to do what I'm going to live, live in integrity with myself." Is there is there one question you'd ask me that you'd like love to ask me right now? I don't mind staying on for a couple of minutes if there's just one where you like be interested. No, I'm envious actually that you're so uh, just fucking up for talking about improvement and stuff like that. I think I'm just very, yeah, I'm still obviously looking for this kind of what is my purpose, you know? And uh, it doesn't mean it's going to be this podcast. It could be something in 20 years. So yeah, I, I kind of I haven't got a question. I'm just kind of very, I'm impressed with I'm always impressed with not that I wasn't expecting anything good but I just just someone with kind of clarity um, I find it very inspirational it gives me energy as well and it's something I've been very lucky to speak to you know only like 10 people but uh very well spoken and it gives me yeah it just gives me energy when I've spoken to someone so I genuinely haven't got anything that I would yeah love to ask but yeah can can I share t- just two two thoughts then, according to what you just said? Yeah, sure. The temptation when you're trying to find purpose is to lean on clarity and confidence, and I just don't 
give a fuck about clarity or confidence. I drove back from France for 10 hours it took me in thick fog. I didn't need to know what turn I was going to take in three hours, four hours, five hours. I couldn't see 20 meters in front of me and I didn't need to. I had to. I only had to see as far as the headlights would allow me to see and drive into that space and drive into the next space and drive into the next space. And I got home. And that's the same in your journey. You don't need clarity. Just move forward. Move forward, observe. The trouble with people wanting clarity is it, it stops them moving at all. But you get clarity through action, not through inaction. And then the other thing I would say is just we, I noticed it on the podcast with Ben and, and it just, I, courage is much more important than confidence. In your journey of confidence, think about anything you're confident at. Before you were confident, you were competent. To get competence as an mm. asset, you had to take defeated action. To take action, you needed to have courage to do something you didn't know if you were good at. Confidence is where your, sorry, courage so yeah, yeah, courage to take your first action. Courage is the input and confidence is the output. A coach called Rich Litvin taught me that and it's great because yeah. it's so true. Actually, if I want to be confident, then I need I want to start with, it requires me to start with courage and the confidence will emerge. You can't, everyone's wanting to click their fingers and be confident. It's, it's bullshit you can't if, if it's that easy everyone would just be confident yeah. it's not about that the input is courage I would say uh, you'd probably enjoy you probably already know him but um, Simon Sinek uh, start with why and find yeah. your why would be nice books for, for you I, I yeah, think it's over there on the shelf yeah, yeah. Have you, so is it I think most people go start with why is that the one you've got have a look at find your why because they actually okay. give you exercises to help you find it hmm. which which may be of interest to you also by cynic or yeah also by cynic yeah i'm under the impression he read the he wrote the first book and then loads of people were like yeah but how do i find out what my why is and so they wrote a book yeah. about finding your why i've got a good book list for the for the podcast now underneath 